Hello and welcome to Project. Today we are interviewing Leah Minnelli. She is an event manager based out of the UK. She is, she's just such a creative force. I love being around her energy so much and I'm so happy to have her on the podcast today because she's going to share with us a little bit more about her experiences that got her to where she is, about event management, and then she even has a couple questions for me about Meta. So we'll talk a little bit about advertising and events today. Let's get it. Leah, how I wanted to start all of this fun stuff is I would love for you to give us just like a brief, like a brief summary, a brief elevator chat of just like your life up to now, basically. Cause like, I feel like you've done so many different things to get to where you are now and that's still evolving. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, okay. So I guess where should I start? I mean, I, I started off in hospitality. I think that's, um, other than like studying, like through school and college, I kind of did performing arts. So I've always been quite like a confident person. Um, and I was always dreaming to be an actress. Um, but I decided to take a gap year just because I kind of felt as though I needed to kind of find myself before I just threw myself into this kind of, yeah. I'm going to get a degree and then I'm going to, you know, follow that career and, 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 and so on. So so I decided to take gap year and that's where I started working in hospitality, which then led me to events, um, which changed my course of learning. So instead of, you know, coming from the Brit school where you'd normally go into like Lambda or, you know, some sort of kind of arts central kind of performing arts school, um, I decided to do events management and acting. Um, oh. And the events, yeah, so it was kind of like a, well, actually, someone said I'm good at events so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna roll with that actually which um had never been on my radar before because I I only ever wanted to be actress my whole life um so then yeah and then and part of like the events management course is that it has marketing in it Mm. so I think that was my kind of like first sort of taster um and then after that due to my experience in hospitality I kind of went for like what I feel is like the classic route of going into sales, which is like being a sales executive, um, yeah. which then leads into a sales manager. Um, and your sales manager role is essentially events, sales and events. Um, yeah, so that, that goes like hand in hand. Events always feels like, yeah, you're not just producing an event. You also have to get sponsors for that event. And then you need to market that event. And it's like this whole, it's like running a mini business almost. A hundred percent. It's it's always been like that. Like whenever you, whenever you're doing events, you know, it's it's like when's the next business coming in? You need to go and get that business. So it's still it's still kind of marketing. It's still salesy, although it's you know events management. I don't know many people that have just been like, I just work in events. I just run events. <laughs> like it just doesn't exist. Yeah. Do you think that like your desire to become an actress lended itself really well to sales, marketing and events? Potentially. Um, I think I definitely think the confidence, um, you know, I've never I've never been scared to, to you know, speak to someone I don't know. Um, wow. I mean, that, that definitely also is a personality trait. Um, and I know that from my mum telling me that, you know, I used to run off with random people I didn't know and oh my God. <laughs> don't, 
find me chatting to people like she'd be sitting on a beach and she'd turn around and I'm like on the shoulders of some random person it's like what is happening um so I definitely do think it's a personality trait but um I think yeah that kind of connection with people and that confidence um and also like I guess you know being on stage and then networking like networking was always a big part of acting is like you know kind of you needed to network to get your name out there so I think all of that those skills are all transferable and I think you know in events essentially in sales and events you're, you're always networking um you know doing networking events hosting networking events going to them with your business cards and exhibitions and all of those things it kind of, I, I feel that it's all kind of quite transferable so um yeah, I, it played a part yeah yeah it's a it's like an almost always on kind of role though right like i remember being in a brand manager in london and we did a lot of events and we wanted to be really community-based but that meant that like even when i would go to brunch on a saturday it was at a place where like i knew the general manager and the owner so you'd walk in and it would have to be like it was just you never could stop because you've integrated your life and your hobbies with your business That is 100%. That just literally gave me a flashback of my whole 20s. Yeah. <laughs> and that and literally it would be like, oh, do you want to meet on the weekend? Yeah, let's go to this place because I know this person. And actually, I'm trying to um, network with them anyway. So <laughs> we're basically <laughs> like know. Emily in Paris. <laughs> I know. It's, it's ridiculous. It is, it is full time. And I think, and I think there is a, you know, there is definitely a danger to that. Like, um, and that's kind of, you know, where we'll go into is what's lead, led me to where I am now is like, actually, you know, within the events, especially events of hospitality, um, there is a kind of 24 hour expectation. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's like, it is like you never, you never are not working. And it's, you know, whether you have a work phone or not, it's, it's constant, you're meant yeah. to be kind of on call. Um, you know, if something goes wrong over the weekend, you have to deal with that. It's not you know, it, you know, especially if you're managing a team and you're running events over the weekend and someone doesn't turn up. I used to get calls at 6 a.m. on a Saturday. Oh, my like, God. And I, I might have only got in at 4 a.m. It's <laughs> 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 like, you know, oh, someone hasn't turned up for an event and, you know, I've got a call round. But it, it's just, it, yeah, it is nonstop. Yeah. But, uh, well, and you're meant to do, like, business and pleasure at the same time. Do, and that's something I've always struggled with with events is yeah. I'm, I like to say I work hard, I party soft to medium. Because like I could never, I never was like part one of the people that stayed like past eight thirty, especially yeah. at, like Soul Circus, right? Which we work on together. Like you'll never, yeah. you'll never really see me out that late because I'm like I can't, I can't. I'm not good at intertwining them. But it sounds like you're much better at that. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely gone from party hard to party hard less, <laughs> less <laughs> hard. Um, I think yeah, I think I I, I definitely. I got I've I've been through a stage of burnout basically and I think yeah. you know wanting to wanting to always be there and not miss out and and I think there's you know the the kind of FOMO um thing that people talk about in terms of like their social life I think I think that can that can actually be in work as well it's like you know I, I bring this up an experience literally that happened last weekend but my um my husband basically you know always says to me that you know you do too much you never say no and I know that's a you know personality trait but again when it's connected to it being connected to work it's like oh but I've been invited to this event but it's a great opportunity because it's you know a press invite and there's going to be people there and it's 
even you know i had to turn it down because i was ill and then I, it turned out i was actually really ill and i couldn't get out of bed for five days <laughs> but it takes that it really took the fact that i was so ill then yeah. to say no on a weekend event where i'd been out friday saturday and this was sunday you know and it was london fashion weekend it was like i can't it's like that fomo of like i yeah. need to yeah, like there's opportunities to be had and and it's just it's never ending so yeah and what's what i think a lot of people especially you know people on the outside think that events are sexy right yeah. or like working in fashion is sexy mm -hmm. and it's like kind of hearing these things it's like no actually it's not like yes it's wonderful to like get to go to london fashion week press event but at the same time you're on you're not there like enjoying it you're there um, trying to see like who you can talk to right you're yes you are out probably all night but then you're getting those 6am calls it's hard work it is and it is and it's and it becomes it, it it gets to a point where you you actually don't know how how to switch off and and that yeah. you know will be on holiday or you know out on a night out and and it's like you're constantly on um which is a good thing and a bad thing i think yeah i mean so, i think it's a bad thing yeah <laughs> and that's probably like your mental state but like, that I'm still like oh but you know it's probably good because I'm always aware and but yeah no I think um and I think that's what uh you know what you know as you mentioned we, we work on soul circus together and I think you know things like soul circus and and the retreat that I just organized um for my sister in September in Malaga like all of those things are you know that for you to concentrate on on you um yeah. I, and I don't think, I think it takes a long time to get there and to understand the importance of that. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of people still don't do that, you know. Oh, definitely. And so did you go through, so you, you did your school and your college, and then did you go work for like a corporate event place? Or did you go to like, where did you go after that to basically get your, I don't know, your feet wet in the events? Yeah. So I, I always kind of worked for well I, I worked for an agency first off that was my first kind of like big role I actually got the job before university I was um so before essentially I was a bartender at first um then in my gap year I decided to do like work for an events agency so I started as a waitress then I um that turned into like a team leader within like a month and then within I think two and a half months I was like in the office doing office admin. And then suddenly a few months later, I'm basically running the whole business. So I kind <laughs> of- I, <laughs> sounds, I, sounds like you, this is just what happens to you. <laughs> I know. So it was, a, it was a huge overwhelming. And I think, you know, that, that obviously led to me wanting to, you know, study events management um, because it was all, university was always uh, non-negotiable really. It was something that my, you know, my parents, my grandparents all kind of, you know, wanted me to do, um, yeah. but I wasn't, you know, I was doing well in my career. So I was like, I don't want to let that go. So I ended up doing university and running that business at the same time, as well as still doing acting on the weekend because, you know, I hadn't quite left the, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to, yeah, I to let it go. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't ready to let it go. So, so kind of, I worked within um, an events agency for a long time and that, that meant all my clients were, you know, livery halls, they were um, private clients that, you know, wanted to do like, you know, a party of 100 people at their mansion house. Um, or it could be, you know, um, like the HAC or, you know, big venues in in, in London. 
um, and, and on the outskirts as well. And then from there, I went into working for a venue and I pretty much did that for about nine years um, or within a few different kind of uh, event uh, venues within London, uh, one being kind of a smaller chain and then the, the end being like a, a chain of up to 20 venues. So yeah, <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> no big deal. So yeah, so I, I was kind of a sales manager for the for the flagship of that um, company until I was like, oh, actually, I want to go and quit and travel the world. So I, I quit um, and decided to go and volunteer in Uganda for three months, um, oh. then traveled around Kenya, which was just beautiful, um, came back to the UK, picked up my husband, and then we literally sold our car, rented our flat and went to Central America and all through South America. And yeah, that was that was kind of like, I wanna do that. I need to get more inspiration in my life. Um, I wanna also experience events abroad, which I got to do in Uganda. Um, I volunteered for, yeah, it was incredible. And I volunteered for places in, um, you know, Costa Rica, um, different parts of Central and South America, Colombia. Um, and I just wanted to, I wanted a new way to keep my pool of knowledge topped up and open my eyes to things that I didn't know kind of existed by like immersing mm -hmm. in different cultures and different experiences. Um, and I think that's what led to me kind of wanting to continue to create experiences for people through events, but more from like inspirational kind of perspective. Now, what's the biggest learning you pulled out of attending all of those international events? Was it a different, do they do events differently or is it all generally the same? It's just kind of what type of events and experiences they're putting on. Yeah, I think, I think there's a, there's a lot of transferable skills. Um, I mean, there's transferable skills, you know, just in, in travel alone, you know, the, the kind of research that you need to do in the planning, the adaptability and ability to, you know, need to be flexible. Um, so all of that kind of was there in, in my learning from being abroad and, and being in like a new environment. Um, so that on top of kind of working with different cultures I think it's just an expansion of your knowledge I think like mm -hmm. learning to you know you can be in London and, and learn to deal with completely different people um but to go you know to go to another country um so Uganda for example I'd never been there before I didn't know anyone there and I was supporting an NGO um, so essentially I was fundraising. So, you know, it was a really, it was a really challenging experience for me. But within that time, I learned so much, so much about mm -hmm. the charity, the organization, you know, their cause. It made me really passionate that I was kind of like, okay, I might get rejection, but I've got to make this happen. And and I, I then realized that actually you can do this anywhere in the world. Like I ended up yeah. getting you know, sponsorship for the events. I got like brand deals I ended up being on a radio show what? Um, like <laughs> it was just mental but it was amazing and I had you know I networked with you know kind of like high profile people there to get in the right circles to to get the you know the right kind of um attention for the charity that they needed um and yeah from then I was I was literally like this is what I want to do like I, yeah. <laughs> I just want to do this all around the world um so yeah so I learned a lot, but it's, yeah, it's not, I don't think, it, it's it's not as scary as, as, as people would think. Um, it's just, yeah, I mean, we, I was lucky because, you know, 
English is one of you know an, a national language in in Uganda. So, had I been doing this in you know Colombia, where I was working in a in a hostel and stuff, a little bit different. <laughs> well, like you said, there are so many things that are transferable, but also your personality lends itself to networking. Right, you are a people person. You can essentially talk to anybody. So that's yeah. super helpful. Right. When you go into those situations where it's like, okay, you just know instinctually, like, okay, this is a person that I need to talk to because this person might know this person. And then it kind of snowballs yeah. from there. Exactly. It's yeah. all strategic. <laughs> is that why you're talking about? No, <laughs> Never. What? <laughs> yeah, on the podcast. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. So uh, one more question and then we can go into like some questions you have for me. Yeah. So a lot of the people listening to this are small business owners, entrepreneurs who might want to do events, but they don't know how, right? Or it's just one portion of their marketing, you know, plan. What kind of tips, tricks do you have or ways of doing things that you might want to share? Okay. So, I mean, it, it depends on the person and I guess what stage they're at. Um, I think one thing I've kind of realized from learning events is that you, you're constantly needing to learn new things. Um, you know, nothing, you can't just go to university and study events and be like, right, I'm going to go and do events now and I'm going to be fantastic. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I was, I was very lucky that I, I was able to start from, like humble humble starts if that makes sense so like being a waitress being a bartender and and learning the importance of every person in mm -hmm. in a chain of creating event is super important i think what i've seen um management do as kind of um like a like seen failure from people is that they kind of feel this hierarchy of like you know i'm an event manager i'm the manager i'm the boss and i got to tell you what to do but actually, that's not how an event works. Um, every single person is as important as each other. You know, yeah. the, the the KP that's washing the dishes, the bartender, the waiter, the event manager, you know, the customer, every single person without, without each other, it, that event wouldn't run. And I think that's one of the core things that people need to understand and learn is the respect for other people. Mm. Uh, and the patience as well and that goes from a customer perspective to a team team member um i think events can be really demanding you know lots of people know that you know working events are like oh my gosh you must be so stressed all the time <laughs> you know there's that kind of you know perception of like events being really stressful but really it's just about planning it's about being organized planning and being adaptable like if you go into an event thinking that everything's going to run smoothly because you planned it, then you're just going to be hit with a shock. <laughs> like, I, I don't, like, it doesn't matter how much you plan an event, like, anything can happen. And I think having that attitude that you're ready for anything to happen yeah. and be able to deal with that in a calm and collective way, that's, I think that's the key to events. Um, it's one thing that people have always said to me is that, you know, oh, you're really relaxed, you're really chilled. And, you know, I can have people screaming in my face. I'm like, okay, uh-huh. Because it's like, you have to realize that like you being stressed is is it's not helping anything, like nothing, yeah. like the adrenaline that, you know, is pumping through your body, you know, through an event itself 
can can mean that your decisions, your actions might not be, you know, a sensible one. Um, so being calm and collective and listening to others and being patient and being respectful of everyone in and, and having empathy. I think that's one thing I've, I've really learned through like travel as well, like kind of understanding other people. And, and I think that all kind of helps with um, with how you deal with things. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, there, there's some kind of key key learnings. Um, but I well, do because think- it's about curating an experience, right? And an experience yeah. begins with every single touch point. And that can be from the front desk to the person serving you yeah. your drink to the person, like for example, at Soul Circus, the person that's teaching yeah. to the person that's cleaning the toilet so that the, if you go to the toilet, it's, you know, you're having a nice, it's just, it sets, it sets a very high baseline and that's what you want. Yeah. This, I feel like, you know, people, t- I think times are very, valuable thing um and you know even at an event like people are investing their time with you and and if you you know you're, you're kind of managing that you know you you want you want those people to have a good time i i the worst thing for me is someone to walk away from an event and be like oh i wish i'd never gone <laughs> yeah. you know because it's just like they they can't get that time back so for me if something goes wrong or you know there's a scenario or a situation that's happened that someone's been upset or you know, if someone's not delivered something for them, it's for me, the only thing that matters in that moment is turning that around and making sure that that person leaves and says, even if the event doesn't, didn't go like to plan that they're like, do you know what? That team was amazing. But you know, yeah. the staff was so lovely. You know, do you know, my friends had fun. We had, you know, we ended up, you know, the, I just, I think you really got to be passionate about events and you've got to be passionate about people and experiences mm. to, to kind of yeah to care like I think that's that's the main thing is like is is caring about people's experiences because you know if this was your birthday party or your wedding or you know your business like you want it to to go as well as possible and and the people that are executing that if they can understand that then it's kind of hard to go wrong you know yeah yeah do you have like a spreadsheet or something that you use to organize like all of your event details or how do you, how do you organize it? Yeah, yeah I do. I am, um, this sounds a bit crazy, but basically on, I've always like Googled like different like event planning documents and stuff like that. And actually it ended up being my wedding that made me create what I feel is like the perfect like spreadsheet. So yeah. I think it's on like Google Drive. You can go to the templates, and in there, there's a wedding planner template, and I actually use that for every single event. Really? Yeah, I know it sounds mental, but there are so many different aspects to a wedding, and people never see that kind of. Mm -hmm. I I think event perspective, and it always allows me to have like a basis to think of every single thing, like your top end budget to your desirable budget to suppliers to trade like it's the same it's the same as kind of running a festival so I kind of I I took like a wedding um excel template and basically just edited that to be kind of a blanket event um and yeah I basically have a tab for every single thing needed for for an event essentially um and it's a a master planner I call it the master planner um and that's that's how I work really because it's kind of I think People can be really overwhelmed um, with events in general, like the planning of it. And I think, you know, if you if you're if you have everything in one place, your brain can't quite 
work on each project yeah. because it's all one and it becomes a bit overwhelming and that's when you can you know get a bit of anxiety about stuff or miss stuff so for me it's very it's very simple I need everything on a different page everything on a different tab yeah. and that way you can just assess every single thing that you need to make sure is done and then I always put the last tab is always like like my feedback and learnings mm. so if something wrong or there was a missing on that specific event I write it there so that when I go on the next time and I copy it to make a new event I'm like okay what went wrong on the last event that maybe I can do something to avoid that on the next event so smart okay I'll find that and I'll put it in the link like in the description of this so that people can yeah. reference it because that is genius I mean I didn't have a <laughs> wedding so I didn't have to go through that planning um I plan my own. <laughs> I plan my own within five weeks. So what? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a podcast about that. Um, okay, cool. So Leah, you ha now have the floor to ask me questions about marketing. Amazing. This is like your personal office hours. So like let's talk about it. What's up? <laughs> so I think one thing one thing I really um, I feel like I struggle with in terms of marketing and kind of planning is Facebook meta suite and mm -hmm. ads and Google ads and all of those things like I, I feel in my learning um, you know I did event marketing as I said in uni but I couldn't tell you that I use anything really from <laughs> from that yeah. course now um, through COVID it made me reassess. So after the traveling, I decided to do a digital marketing course. Um, what I then decided to do was get really excited and be like, oh, maybe I should do website building course. Oh, maybe I should do a photography course. Oh, maybe I should do a videography course. And then suddenly I'm just, yeah, I'm in five courses deep now. And then suddenly you have um, a master's degree in marketing. <laughs> exactly. Um, however, I feel like actually I really missed the kind of in detail, basic information and and also the constant development, like, you know, Instagram was obviously taken over by Facebook Meta. Um, you know, now, you know, Meta obviously, you know, is in control of everything and you can't do anything on Instagram in terms of pre-planning and scheduling without it. Like, how yeah. do you get, how did you get your head around it? How, how do you plan, um, how do you, you plan using that in terms of like ads and Google ads? What, what's your kind of advice to someone who's feeling a bit overwhelmed with um, the complexity, I would say, yeah. of, of super of complex, right? And, and Facebook and Instagram versus Google are two different methods of advertising. And what that is, is one's a lean forward and one's a lean back. So a lean forward is when somebody's actively looking for a solution, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's Google. The answer to that is Google. Lean back is when someone's just looking for entertainment and just trying to relax and basically escape from reality. And that's what's going to be happening on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Snapchat, all those fun social media things, right? So when it comes to, for example, doing advertising for Soul Circus, you want to be on both platforms because you want to get people's attention and spread brand awareness on mostly Instagram. We don't need to be on Facebook, really, because our demographic isn't on Facebook, mm -hmm. um, but also TikTok. But then you also want to be there when they go searching for wellness festivals in the UK, yoga festivals in the UK. So it's actually a dual tactic, which isn't often the case. So for example, um, like if you were selling a t-shirt, you could just do Instagram, right? Because nobody has a problem dropping 20, 20 quid, 20 bucks on a t-shirt when they're just scrolling casually. But like, 
I don't know, there's some cleaning services, right, that come to me and they're like, where should we be on Instagram? And I'm like, nobody wants to follow a cleaning service on Instagram. Like they love cleaning talk, but that's like giving tips and that's like, that's not selling a service. But anyway, so for that's you, so yeah. we're going to take a to clean, but here, yeah, hire right? us. please hire us to clean, even though I just showed you how to clean. Um, so the easiest thing to get to Facebook ads managers, I actually just put in the link www.facebook.com forward slash ads manager. And that takes me directly to ads manager because business suite is confusing. And like ad platforms aren't built by people like you or I, where it's like, we need things that are visual, that are simple. Um, we don't build these things, right? So it's made confusing for a reason, right? So that you won't also spend your money. Um, so you won't spend it the most efficiently, but you'll spend it anyway right? Because Meta's platform is a red ocean. It's super expensive. Um, and reporting is not super accurate anymore either. What I'm finding, especially for my e-commerce clients. So anyway, so I go to www.facebook.com forward slash ads manager. It takes me directly to the ads manager. So I don't even need to faff about in business suite because it's too complex. I also mm -hmm. don't use business suite for scheduling. I use, uh, an app called, what's well, an app slash it's on it's on the internets it's called later so i use that for scheduling and then i just go directly to ads manager for any ads have you ever created an ad on facebook before or on meta i have but i feel like i don't know if i get confused between um boosting on like instagram directly and then the Facebook ads because I thought that I'd been boosting just on Instagram, but then I went onto my ads and it was already on there. <laughs> um, so, so they're connected. Yeah. Those are connected. So whenever you boost a post within Instagram, it's going to show up on the meta ads platform because technically mm -hmm. what that is, is an ad. The thing is, uh, if you boost a post, you don't have as many options to curate where that ad is going as if you were doing it on the ads platform. So boosting posts is fine for the most part, right? Especially it depends though on your objective, right? And a lot of times the objective is to either drive traffic or just create brand awareness, right? Yeah. Yeah. So for brand awareness, boosting posts is generally fine. But when you start to do more complex things, like you want to create a journey for people, then we need to start using the ads platform. And the reason is we can curate our audiences more so on the ads platform. So you can create what's called custom audiences. You can take a look at everybody who's been to the website, everyone who's engaged with the Instagram profile or any of your ads or posts or whatever in the last X number of days and put them all into a group that changes all the time. So anybody new who's interacted with you will go into that group. And then based off of that group, you can create what's called a lookalike audience. So you can find people who look like those people who are already engaging with you. You can't create those things from the Instagram app. You can only do that on the meta platform. Um, so that's, that's like the biggest, that's the biggest thing for me between boosting posts and using the ads platform. Now, Soul Circus will boost posts all the time and they do fine because they get engagement. But further down the line, when we want to drive traffic, I want to create that custom audience and then use the ads platform to create a traffic ad. And what that does is depending on the objective that you choose, they'll find people that are most likely to click and put that ad in front of them.
That's why we what? choose an objective. Makes sense. So that's more like a like a specific campaign. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then if you wanted to go beyond that, which a lot of times, honestly, for, for events, you won't. Um, but you could retarget anybody who's been to the website with right. then a sales ad where it's like, okay, now I'm going to boost, like talk about ticket sales. So if you had, and, and the thing is, Leah, like you need a huge budget to do full funnel, right? So if you wanted to do the boosted post brand awareness, a traffic ad, and then a sales ad, you need a minimum of $30 or quid a day, right? Yeah. And that times 30 days. I mean, that's a lot of money. Um, so a lot of times I actually start at traffic because traffic can be both brand awareness and driving to website. As long as I have the ability to, to put a, to send emails after somebody has engaged on the website and has an account, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. How does, how does all of that sound to you? Are you like, I still don't WTF. What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it does make sense. Um, but it also makes me feel like I'm like, right, okay, I really need to kind of invest some more time into Facebook ads and, and utilizing it more because I think with the clients that I'm working with, I really want them, you know, I really want the engagement to turn into, you know, bookings and, and you know, that next stage. Um, yeah. I just find it's really hard to keep engagement um, running at the moment. And um, that's what I kind of want to work on and, and learn more just to help help my yeah. clients kind of progress. Yeah, and engagement is really hard for events as well because unless it's an event that's happening quarterly or you know somewhat on a regular basis, if it's only happening once a year, nobody like nobody's thinking about Soul Circus right now, about going to Soul Circus. That's just and that's just what it is, right? Whereas like if you have an event that reoccurs throughout the year, like you can keep content and engagement coming up. Um mm. But the biggest thing I think for you to start with is looking at the customer journey for your clients, right? So where does somebody come into contact with the festival and what message do you want to send at that first contact, then second contact, then third contact, and then you build it out that way and decide when organic makes sense. So when like your own, the own social media makes sense, when do paid ads make sense? Yeah. And that yeah, will that at least sense. help. That will at least help you figure out when it makes sense to use Meta, when it makes sense to use Google, when it makes sense to have press involved. Because honestly, like, press is a bigger deal than I think we we realize for brand mm -hmm. awareness of events. Right? Just getting into the timeouts, you know, yeah. the stylist, like just the the right, even like just the freebies, right? Because that's what people use a lot to see what's happening. Or at least I used it a lot. I don't know if people still do in London. Um, yeah, and I think you know, influencer marketing definitely comes, you know, under that. I mean, I've worked in influencer marketing in the last kind of year and a half and, and seen the kind of positive impact. And, and you really do see it, you know, you like, and it's, and I'm, and I'm a, I'm a sucker for it myself. You know, I always say like, yep, I was influenced. Yep. <laughs> like, I know what they're doing, but I've, I'm falling for it. And it worked. And I've bought it. <laughs> um so yeah so it, it's it's getting I think it's getting brands to understand like the importance of that but also now you know there's a big kind of wave of change where you know influencers don't want to do stuff for free anymore so it's, no. it's kind of convincing you know your client that actually just putting things on face uh, Facebook and Instagram is not necessarily going to get you the business because people no. trust people and 
now that there's so much of people, you know, for UGC, as well as, you know, direct influence and marketing, um, you know, those, those, those are people telling them to do stuff and rather than a brand and, 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 yeah. it, and it is becoming, it's so becoming more. To hundred percent agree with you. Word of mouth marketing is the most impactful form of marketing because believe and believe it or not, like all of us are influencers in a way like yeah. you are a micro influencer. Excuse me. I'm a micro influencer because honestly, if you recommend a face serum to me right now, Leah, like I'm going to probably look it up more so than if Kim Kardashian were to do it. Like, yeah, yeah. she influences me too. I have skims stuff, right? <laughs> but like I'm going to trust those closer to my circle because I know you. Um, yeah. So that's one of the most impactful. And then email marketing is something that shouldn't be undervalued either. Email marketing is one of the highest drivers of conversion of sales because people yeah. basically do one of two things. They either do the thing you want them to do, which is purchase or they unsubscribe. And so like, it's no shirt, no shirt off your back. Um, yeah. And really it's just, it's about the whole thing, right? There is no one lever that you can pull that's going to be the end all be all. It's you have to have yeah. a complete 360 plan. And that's what makes it really difficult to get buy-in a lot of times with clients because they yeah. think that Facebook ads are just going to be what's it. And it's like, well, no. Exactly. That's not no. the be all and end all. And, and how, do you, how do you put together a campaign for a client? Like what, where do you start to put that together? Mm. It's really funny that you're saying this because I, I'm just creating a course on that right now. <laughs> okay. So maybe give us a course, I mean, yeah, I need like a podcast episode. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. With a deck. But so, uh, so little sneak peek. Um, so how it works is I just create a calendar um, and I've created one for Soul Circus. So you've seen it as well. And I start looking at internal and external events. So things that we're doing, things that our competitors are doing, or things that are happening within our world. And then what products we're launching or when we've decided what we want to launch. And then and then any content that we're putting out. So, you know, the Soul Circus has a podcast, like, okay, what content are we putting out when? And then is there a story that already creates itself? And from that, I create a campaign. So at least there's a red thread that I can talk about for, say, six weeks to three months. Because at the end of the day, people are, I want to, I don't want to say stupid because I don't mean that. What I mean is we're distracted. We have a lot of things coming at us. We need to see something seven times before we even start to act on it. So to do a campaign for like a week doesn't, or to do one email doesn't make any sense. You have yeah. to hit people with it in different channels. Um, so I use the calendar as my red thread to come up with a campaign and a story to tell. And then I'm like, okay, where does this make sense and to whom? So it's like, okay, and during this time, we're going to have content that focuses like on this across Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. I'm going to adjust the website so that this content is more prominent so it's easier for people to get to and then my newsletters are always going to touch on this as well and then in addition if you want to do ads they talk about that so that suddenly whenever somebody interacts with this brand or this company they see it everywhere and then they get it faster and you they do the thing that you want them to do so it really just comes with like zooming out a second and being like okay What's the end goal? How are we breaking that out? What products are we talking about? What else is happening during that time? And how do I link it all together? So like, for example, January, we're going to have Blue Monday, right? There, you also go through this new year, new you bullshit, <sighs> which I low-key hate. 
Um, and by low key, I mean, I really hate it. Um, but this is a perfect time to do some selling on Soul Circus, right? Because we talk about mental health. We talk about doing things for yourself. So we can do a sales push in January because you want to invest in yourself, basically. And we can lean into that messaging because everybody's already talking about it anyway. Yeah, makes total sense. Yeah. What kind That's of clients fantastic. do you have that uh, that need this kind of help? Um, lots. <laughs> yeah, no, I work with um, I work with events, um, businesses, and I work with like venues as well. So yeah. kind of food and beverage um, kind of accounts, uh, venues that do events, and then actual event pop up events, so events that kind of move around, similar style to festivals, essentially. Right. Um, so yeah, that's the clientele at the moment, um, and just trying to work. I mean, most of like I think I where was it? I think it was on a social media uh, management platform, either later or cloud campaign campaign that I'm kind of using at the moment. And it was um, I put in my uh, client's account, and it was like, oh, the engagement is zero percent, but don't worry, the industry standard of hospitality <laughs> venue like accounts is zero percent. It's like, oh, yeah. great. But that's the thing. It's like you know, do you you know do you really engage with them unless it's like unless it's giving you something, you know? So that's what I'm kind of working on at the moment is like campaigns around like what can we give the audience with recipes and you know things like that that people can engage in. That when we do say, oh, actually, we've got an offer on, come down, they're already in, kind of engaged. Yeah, and sometimes uh, it's honestly telling people what to expect from you as well, right? So in looking at, for example, venues. Venues, I would suggest highly leaning into email marketing. And, and yes, you can put things up on Instagram with the expectation that not everything is going to be for everybody. Yeah. And that's the problem. Like there is such a large and wide array of target market for a venue because you could have, say it's a music venue and you have like a, a variety of styles that not somebody who likes Harry Styles is one go, is going to want to go see, you know, gobsmack, right? They don't want to see heavy metal yeah. and pop singers, right? So it's how do you talk to all of those people at the same time? And it's like, well, you need to be engaged with our emails. And by communicating that, people then know where to expect information from you versus like, hey, Instagram is where we're going to launch everything for. And you just have to train them. But that also means like you need to understand your target market within like in depth. You need to know where they're looking for stuff and then set the realistic expectations. Because like, like, honestly, engagement is a vanity metric. And what does that mean? It's just for show. Reach is what's important. How many people are seeing the post is what's more yeah. crucial than how many people are engaging with it or how many followers you have. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's a really good tip. Very good. <laughs> and um, I guess la last question, um, and I guess that will kind of, you know, kind of roll in from what you just said in terms of like talking about reach and engagement how how do you do your reporting for clients how's your kind of you know how do you you know show what you're what you're doing like the value of what you're doing to your clients yeah um i mean this is actually a more complex question than i think you might realize um because i've done reporting for all of my clients since the beginning and you know what none of them ever give a shit yeah which is ridiculous. Um, 
But so I just, I basically pull it from the ads platform, from Facebook page, from the Instagram page, and I compile it into a KPI dashboard on a monthly basis. Um, but the value that they get is not necessarily from the performances, but from my insights about them. And I've mm. positioned myself like that with clients purposefully because I am not here to produce. I am here to provide optimizations to help you level up. Right. And we also need to be realistic. Right. So you're not seeing engagements. That's probably because it doesn't always have to do with the, the content. It has to do with nobody wants to engage with an event when the event isn't coming up. Nobody wants to engage with a venue if like there's nothing there that interests them. I'm not going to like a post from a yeah. venue for a music artist that I don't care about. So the expectation has to also be there and you have to pick KPIs that are the most relevant. Right. Um, and creating a whole customer journey for them where it's like, okay, we might not be getting engagement there, but I know they're seeing it based off of reach. And our next touch point is to get them to sign up for our newsletters. So I'm creating, so I've decided what the KPI is. The KPI is email newsletter signups, not engagement, because I know if I have them on my email, I can tell them directly what I want them to hear. Yeah. Right. So also you need to put, kind sense. of position yourself too, where it's like, you need to decide what value you want to create. And if they don't see or agree with that, they might not be, it might not be the right fit. Do you know what I mean? Because vanity metrics are just that. They're, they're just vanity. Followers don't mean shit. Engagement doesn't mean shit. Likes, comments don't mean shit. It just, do, it just yeah. doesn't. It just doesn't anymore. Because what do you, I mean, like how many things do you really like when you get on Instagram versus how many things are you actually watching? Yeah. So, true. yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I do do dashboards to come back to your question. I do dashboards, but it's really about how I continue to learn and provide new insights and new ways of doing things is where my value comes from. And you already, you're already doing that. Look, you're talking to me, you've done all these courses, you're eager to learn. Like you just, you realize that you can't rest on your laurels and that's the value is that you're never going to do it like you've done it before because you keep learning and you keep wanting to do better and you can't put yeah. a number on that. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. And Amazing. suddenly this became a self-help chat. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I need to hear it too. <laughs> Thank you so much to Leah for your time, for your expertise on event management and for the giggles. You can follow Leah at Dominique on Instagram.com to see where she's been traveling, what events she's putting on, and be sure to comment, share, like, do the things for this podcast. And we'll see you on the next episode of Project. Project.